0: You are listening to a Natural Products Insider Podcast with Karen Butler, Content Marketing Manager, brought to you by Supply Side West, November sixth through 10. Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Karen Butler, Content Marketing Manager. Joining me is Bill Bookout, founding member and president of NASC, the National Animal Supplement Council. Bill, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you very much, Karen. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Bill and his team have been busy preparing for the NASC National Conference taking place May 1st through the 3rd in Scottsdale, Arizona. Today we're going to talk about one of the hottest topics in the industry on both the animal and human sides. And get a sneak peek about what to expect at the conference. Let's start with a quick overview of NASC. Bill, who are your members?
1: Thank you very much. Um, our member and the National Animal Supplement Council, is a, a nonprofit trade association. We're the largest trade association, certainly in North America, probably the world, handling products that are similar to human dietary supplements that are marketed for dogs, cats, and horses. So we don't handle complete and balanced diets or anything that would be found in a bag of can, uh, you know, bag of dog food, can of cat food. Our products are exclusive to those that are similar to human dietary
0: supplements. Can you tell me a little bit about the conference?
1: So the topics at the conference and, and the goals we really have is we have three goals at the conference. We want to provide valuable content, both as business drivers as well as regulatory compliance. So we cover topics on those two areas. We're about 70% business drivers and 30% regulatory compliance. There's about 275 people attend the meeting, and it's really more like an executive business forum. Um, it's not a trade show. So they are people from the industry all the way from raw material suppliers, contract manufacturers. Uh, services, legal, insurance services, but primarily we have 170 member companies that supply the brands to the industry. We want to provide a very worthwhile networking opportunity, and we want to have some fun along the way. One of the things that we also try to do is to make a difference and give something back. So We usually select a charity that's a worthwhile animal charity that we can you know, raise a little money for, make a contribution and give something back.
0: That's great. So the types of topics I saw that uh, people can expect, everything from marketing, labeling, FSMA, quality control, audit. Um, you have a big legal Q&A panel on your final day that's a big draw. I know yeah, our own right. John Vennegar have... will be speaking, um, talking about animal supplements, following trends in, in human dietary supplements, of course, backed up with the data from various sources. Anything else you're looking forward to?
1: Yeah, exactly. We're, we're really looking forward to the trends in the industry, um, you know, based on data, what are the hot new topics. We're going to talk a little more about one of those in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Kellum, the medicine hunter, will be uh, speaking. In fact, he's our leadoff speaker. Uh, John Moore, who is a marketing executive, ground floor with Starbucks and Whole Foods, will be our keynote speaker this year. The legal panel is always a really uh, popular segment and probably the hottest topic that we're going to talk a little bit, a bit more about later on is uh, hemp and CBD and, you know, in animal products.
0: Absolutely. Uh, final question on the conference. Do you have to be a member to attend?
1: You do not. Anybody can attend. Um, information is on the website. It's www.nasc.cc. If you click on learn more about the annual conference, all the information is there, and anybody can attend the conference.
0: Perfect. Sounds like a great event. Well, let's jump right into that hot seat. As you mentioned, hemp and CBD. Um, Just as a quick reference, hemp is a plant in the cannabis family. It's got a long history of use in paper and textiles, and more recently for its nutritive value in food and animal feed. CBD, or cannabidiol, is a component of cannabis plants that may hold therapeutic properties, but is not to be confused with THC, the psychoactive constituent of a marijuana plant. Bill, what's the status on using these ingredients for companion animal products?
1: Very good question, and this is probably the hottest topic on the animal side. Uh, It started to emerge last year. It certainly continued and then really... There's that Global Pet Expo this year. There was just a ton of companies with CBD and hemp. So let me just give a little foundation first. In in the animal industry, the regulatory environment is different than it is in the human dietary supplement industry. A lot of people think that the animal supplement industry is unregulated, and that's not true. It's actually regulated at two levels, potentially. It's regulated at the federal level by the FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine and can also be regulated at the state level through the Department of Agriculture, which is responsible for animal food, uh, animal feed products, um, and also some states have the legal authority to regulate animal remedy products. So on the animal side, we live in a pre duche environment because FDA, when Duche was passed in 1994, FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine published a notice in the Federal Register that indicated in their opinion that The Shea Dietary Supplement Health Education Act was not intended to apply to animals. So that doesn't mean that companies can't market products and can't successfully and safely navigate the pathway. That's what NASC helps companies do. But we only have two choices. We have animal food products that are products that are intended to make a nutritional contribution to all animals, including healthy animals like vitamins and minerals, essential fatty acids, uh, maybe probiotics, or you have dosage form animal health products that are intended to make a contribution for a health purpose, like glucosamine or chondroitin, hyaluronic acid, milk thistle, SAMe, if they're intended to support, say, liver health, kidney health, joint health, eye health, lutein. So there's only one of two choices. At this time, hemp and or CBD are not approved for use in animal food because there's no demonstrated nutritional contribution that has been approved by AFCO, the Association of American Feed Control Officials that helps uh, recommend regulatory policy for the industry, but ultimately by FDA as a nutritional contributor. Now there certainly may, may be a good basis for that. Hemp may be an industrial, hemp may be a great source of protein, or it might be a great source of an essential fatty acid or some other nutrient but at this time hemp and cbd are not approved for use in animal feed so what does that mean that means that if you have, as you as you said, Karen, if you have, you know, any indication or benefit that would be outside of n- a nutritional benefit, like a structure function benefit, maybe for relieving discomfort or maybe for uh, helping calm an animal during times of stress, those would be non-nutritional benefits. So our official position as an organization is hemp is okay and hemp will be I think long-term, be okay. It's uh, allowed under the Farm Bill. CBD is contained in the top flowering and res- uh, the top resins and flowering portions of the plant, but the Farm Bill does not differentiate or segment or establish a limit for CBD, cannabidiol, in hemp. The Farm Bill says the whole hemp plant. So, cannabidiol is certainly a naturally occurring constituent of hemp. Um, However, it does establish a limit for THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is 0.3%. So our position is hemp can be used in a product for an animal health purpose, a dosage form animal health product, provided that the THC level is below the established limit recognized and indicated in the Farm Bill, which is 0.3%. However not approved as an animal food as a nutritional uh, contributor. Now, having said that, I'm on a committee with the Colorado Department of Agriculture that established an issued a report that people can look up online that did indicate that there was a nutritional basis to take hemp through an approval process as a nutritionally beneficial ingredient for various animal species. That is in progress now. Um, The hemp industry in Colorado is uh, taking that from the report that was issued by the state legislature to the state legislature, taking that through the approval process. And we're currently, you know, going down that road and establishing funding. And there's going to be an update at the annual meeting on, you know, the pathway, what's happening in both segments, both as a nutritional ingredient as well as a health ingredient.
0: That was an excellent explanation, sir. <laughs> this is a story that clearly is just continuing to unfold. You know, I think that
1: the other thing that people should um, recognize is the landscape is going to change, and nobody knows how and nobody knows when. All right, mm-hmm. because GW Pharma, there is a drug application that is going through the FDA process now for CBD to be recognized as an approved drug. When that happens, the landscape will change. Mm -hmm. When will it happen? Don't know, your guess is as good Mm -hmm. as mine. The common thought is from the legal experts that we talk to is probably something is gonna happen this summer, there's no guarantee of that. Then the question is what will, you know, will that uh, establish limits on CBD? Will it be synthetically-derived CBD? Will naturally-occurring CBD be okay? Nobody knows. There there are a bunch of opinions out there, but the fact is nobody knows. The only established limit at this time that we can find is 0.3% for THC, whole hemp plant, no specific concentration or reference for CBD. That may change when this drug application goes through. When that happens, again, your guess is as good as mine.
0: Right, right. And that's going to have a great impact on, again, both the animal and the human side, for sure. Absolutely. So it's worth mentioning that back in 2015 and 2016, some companies in the human and animal nutrition space did receive warning letters from FDA regarding claims for products containing CBD. Um, on the animal side, I believe there were some dog biscuits and capsules for, marketed for dogs and cats. Uh, and that included claims whether on the product packaging, even down to social media, um, testimonials that that companies had listed on their on their media outlets. So that was pretty interesting. That doesn't seem to have hindered anybody from launching new products, though.
1: Well, I think FDA, you know, FDA is not unreasonable as as an agency. In my opinion, mm-hmm. we've developed a very good open and cooperative relationship with both, you know, FDA at the federal level and and AFCO and various state, you know, regulatory agencies. So. Certainly, you know, the, the the ingredient and constituents are in demand by consumers. Mm-hmm. You know, the approval and allowance of, you know, both for the medicinal use of marijuana with dispensaries as well as recreational use have helped fuel and drive the demand, both on the human and animal side. Um, I, you know, I, we recommend, I think, hemp will be okay. CBD is uncertain. Mm-hmm. As far as claims go, I think FDA has made... Uh, a statement without making a statement. Claims mm-hmm. are certainly in violation. If you're out there making representations that CBD or hemp is good for, you know, diagnose, prevent, treat, or mitigate disease, you're curing cancer, treating cancer, arthritis, mm-hmm. relieving mm-hmm. chronic pain, uh, using it as a substitute for drugs, then FDA has made a statement, not only on with CBD and, and, and hemp products, but they do that. You know, continuously with across the board, you know, dietary supplements. I suggest that companies sign up, you know, to receive copies of the warning letters, and you can learn a lot about what FDA's thought processes are. Mm -hmm. If you just sign up to receive warning letters, and you get those every Tuesday or Wednesday, and it just continues to surprise me when they come across in my email, you know, (laughs) people ought to know better than to make claims like this that are violating, you know, G1B, diagnose, prevent, treat, or cure, but every single week, it seemed like there's another warning letter for companies that come out for claims. So that's kind of a long-winded answer, Karen, to a short question, which is the warning letter cited claims. They didn't cite the material.
0: Great point. So as a, a pet owner and a consumer, are you personally seeing products on the market that, that could likely receive a, a warning letter?
1: Well, we try to, you know, in NASC, we have a code of conduct document that, you know, if you're an NASC member, you're required to keep your claims within structure function. You know, similar guidelines to the human dietary supplement industry. So we've done a pretty good job within our membership of, you know, policing the claims and bringing attention to companies that are really egregious violators, and we continue to do that. Um, So I think on the animal side, are there companies out there that are you know, violating the claims, yeah. Mm -hmm. How many? Probably not a lot. And, you know, in some cases, they just don't know any better. And, you know, if a company is brought to our attention, we try to contact them and, you know, point out that they might be at risk and usually they uh, make changes. If they don't, Mm -hmm. then they they certainly, in my opinion, can and should receive a warning letter or other follow-on regulatory action if they choose to ignore, you know, FDA's instruction and corrective action.
0: Right, right. You
1: know, at at, at the end of the day, Karen, I think on the animal side, you know, just like the human side, most companies want to do the right things. And most companies are not bad actors, but but, but industries get, they tend to get painted with a broad brush. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, our our job as yours, um, and I know you're really big on this, is, you know, you want the industry to act responsibly in terms of the participants. We're no different. And I think for the most part, both human and animal supplement industry, we do a pretty good job. Not perfect, but we do a pretty good
0: job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, any final advice for companies looking to incorporate CBD or hemp in animal products?
1: Well, I would say pay attention to what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. AFCO has a position and again, Association of American Feed Control Officials recommending regulatory policy that the states typically follow, be aware that AFCO and the states, hemp, I think one of the things that companies should be aware of is hemp and CBD are unapproved ingredients for use in animal food. So the, the, most, the, the most common mistake that I think I see in the industry is somebody wants to market a dog treat or a dog biscuit that's a functional treat that term causes the product to be considered an animal food it's categorically defined in the afco official publication so hemp is an unapproved ingredient for use in animal food so un- until such time as it is approved you know the company runs a risk of re- being issued a stop sale or a cease and desist notice from various states and what that when that happens it usually snowballs I think the other thing that companies ought to be aware of, and just a final thought, is they got to remember also that the law defines the classification of products based on the intended use as established by the claims on the label. So even if hemp is approved as a nutritionally beneficial ingredient for use in animal food, claims are still going to be limited to those that apply to nutrition, taste, aroma, or the approved nutritional use or purpose. Any claims for discomfort or calming, those are non-nutritional, and so even if hemp is approved at some point, those claims are still not going to be allowed on animal food products or feed products.
0: These are the intricacies that NASC can help you with if you are a business owner for sure. So you have a full session devoted to hemp and CBD at the conference. We've just touched on some of the scenario for the market, but who's speaking at your session and do you know what type of insight they'll be offering?
1: Yeah, we have um, Hunter Buffington, who's the executive director of the Colorado Hemp Industry Association, is gonna give an update on where we're at in the approval process. Uh, Todd Harrison with uh, Venable is going to be on the panel. I'm going to be on the panel because I'm I'm involved in the committees and I'm pretty much uh, at the tip of the spear, you know, for hemp in the approval process. Not as point, but I'm I'm highly involved in helping sure. directionally. Um, I think we'll have Justin Prock now there from uh, sure. Colorado. So I'll we'll have you know uh-huh. the legal, yeah, a couple attorneys. We'll have legal expertise. Ben Jones from the office of the Texas State Chemist representing Texas as well as AFCO will be there. So, we'll have a good cross-section and be able to answer questions both in the CBD hemp section, which is an hour, as well as the legal section later in the afternoon, which is an hour and 15 minutes.
0: Perfect. Perfect. That'll be great. So, you mentioned earlier um, your organization and mine, very passionate about supply chain integrity. We know has done a lot for accountability, but outside of that, NASC has a great tool to support current good manufacturing practices. Could you just take a moment to share a little about your preferred supplier program?
1: Sure, and thank you very much for asking about that. One of the things that we've always tried to do as an organization is to keep our, our members ahead of the regulatory curve so that when regulations are enacted and, and, and rules and standards are promulgated, that they're ahead of the game, that if somebody Mm -hmm. comes in and does an inspection, they'll already be ready for it. We extended, you know, quality seems intuitive, that quality starts with, quality products begin with quality raw materials, combined consistently by repeatable quality processes, which are GMPs and process control. So we qualify suppliers because it's very easy for us to test ourselves right out of business, right? Mm -hmm. So the preferred supplier program, qualifies raw material suppliers, contract manufacturers, and other people that are critical participants in the supply chain, uh, because a lot of our members don't make their own products. They depend on contract manufacturers. Nevertheless, as the supplier of record, they're responsible for managing and and helping ensure the entire supply chain meets the regulatory requirements. So the Preferred Supplier Program really tries to help differentiate quality suppliers from opportunistic suppliers, save people money with the ultimate objective of increasing consumer confidence.
0: So you've got everything from ingredient suppliers, contract manufacturers you mentioned, labs, research organizations, and just anyone service providing in this niche already pre-qualified?
1: That's right. So with the information that we provide and post through these programs, Literally, an NASC member can go on the website, log in, download the information that we have, and qualify a supplier, buy a raw material, uh, accept a, accept the manufacturer based on our audits, testing information that everybody pulls together and publishes. So, again, if you know if the industry just cooperates, we would really elevate the standards in the industry. We'd increase consumer confidence. I think we'd have better outcomes all the way around. And ultimately, I think we'd expand the market and the market Mm -hmm. potential. And Mm -hmm. a rising tide certainly does float all boats.
0: (laughs) Indeed, and that is just one of the many benefits for NASC members in addition to the upcoming annual conference. Well, Bill, any final thoughts for us here? CBD, hemp, the conference? We've covered a lot of ground today.
1: Now again, I just wanna say thank you for the opportunity. Look forward to seeing you and John at the conference. And again, I've always really enjoyed working with yourself and the entire
0: Informa team.
1: Thank you again.
0: As have we with NASC, you guys have done some, you personally and your organization have done incredible things uh, across the industry and we very much appreciate you. So I will see you next month at the conference. Again, if you would like some more information on NASD or to register for the event, please visit nasd.tc. For more award-winning podcasts for ministry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, November 6th through 10 in Las Vegas.